Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Squad Games Podcast, the only podcast where we roll dice and like to hear ourselves talk. My name is Giacomo, and with me is my co-host, Dakota. Dakota, you had a question for me. I did. I'm thinking about bringing an Eldar team to the LVTT. Uh-huh. And uh, my question to you is, how hard do you think it is to get through 90, toughness 6, 3-plus saves, and with a 4-plus envel? How hard uh, do you think that would be? Pretty hard without Melta. Without Melta? from me, that I, that I play Space Marines, so... Because that's uh, 13... That would be 1,300 points of uh, just bringing 30 Wraith Guard with uh, Wraith Axes and Shields. I don't think I'd want to deal with that. I, I, it's a possibility in my mind at the moment. <clears throat> For sure. If you have a way to deal with it, leave a comment below. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> uh, it sounds like it'd be pretty, pretty, pretty... Just put them on three objectives, you know? You're good to go. Right, they're, they're rocks, so that makes sense. Yeah. Well, speaking of tournaments, this weekend you had your first tournament, right? Sure did. We ran the first squad games tournament at a, a local game store. You know, just getting our feet wet in the community. So it went really well. Everyone had a lot of fun. Death Guard won the Combendium team. They actually beat uh, Orc player, uh, pretty good Orc player, I should say, Emmanuel from Strategic Advantage in the finals. Yeah. Which was, which was pretty crazy. Cause it was a no, tense table. There was a lot going on at that moment. There was a moment. lot. No one, I didn't know that. I, they were the first opponent I played against, and yeah, that was hard. Emmanuel was saying that uh, one of the Death Guard guys just walked straight up the the middle, and he put tw- 22 wounds into him, and the guy <laughs> didn't die. And I think then he like threw a grenade and just killed a bunch of people. I'm pretty sure that's how it happened. Um, yeah, that's kind of crazy, if you ask me. Yeah, disgustingly resilient and strong. Yeah, super strong. I uh, did not know that Death Guard were that good. But other than that, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of prize support. Uh, everyone had a great time. Our next one is going to be in July, July 16th at Gameology uh, in Pasadena. We're running all these events because I'm getting a lot of practice for being the TO at LVO this year, uh, next year, I should say. The, in January. January, it, yeah. So technically, yeah, next year. Yeah, 2023. So, you know, trying to get my feet wet, get a lot of practice, you know, go from there, go from, you know, competitive player into TOing for bigger and bigger events. Speaking of bigger events, uh, if you guys want to check out any other squad games, tournaments, uh, you go to lustersworkshop.com slash squad games. Uh, from there, you can see our biggest tournament this year is going to be the team tournament in November. It's a playoff of the Karate Kid because we have a bunch of tournaments out here in Southern California. So it's going to be the All Valley Kill Team team tournament. Uh, we have a lot of people already expressing a lot of interest in it, so it should be a lot of fun. From there, uh, we're going to go on to an LVO prep tournament and then into LVO itself. So it should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, I like that a lot. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into our main topic of the night. Octarius. Octarius is going to be a lot of fun tonight. It is. It's been out for a while. People have already got to test it out. And we've seen its tried and true colors. But first, let's start with a little bit of background. Go ahead and bring it up, Dakota. Yeah, so the background, the lore of Octarius is pretty interesting. Octarius is a, an orc homeworld. And there is a giant fleet of the Leviathan Tyranid Empire invading the, the space as the Imperium knows it. And Phidias Kripman decided that it would have been really good if they redirected the attack towards Octarius, the Orc homeworld, and hopefully kept everything, you know, Gucci. The Tyranids then attacked the Orc homeworld, and it really livened a lot of the fighting for the Orcs. The Orcs kept getting more powerful, and the Tyranids also kept getting more powerful because they continually had more and more biomass. It would be really bad for the Imperium, no matter what side won this contest. So they started to try and intervene. The Krieg came in, and Krieg was this homeworld that was basically a nuclear nuclear disaster zone where they continually fight, fought each other. They lost all of humanity, really, and the Imperium wrote them off. After that, they started to slowly rebuild, and they have cloning pods on their world. So essentially, they can create mass legions whenever the Imperium needs it. So these guys were, are perfect for Octarius. 
So they sent these guys in to basically sometimes help out the Tyranids and sometimes help out the orcs. Hmm. Yeah. And that was going on for a while. Essentially, they continually fought. Korn showed up, Necron showed up, Drakari showed up, and essentially it was the Swarm Lord in the end versus an orc known as the Overfiend. And the Overfiend was a was a monster. The Overfiend was in this big battle, the Swarm Lord was nearby, and the Overfiend had just been wounded by a Carnifex. And the Swarm Lord came up along with a bunch of Tyranid guards and pounced on the Overfiend when he was injured. And he ended up eating the Overfiend's brains and gaining his memories and thus sealing the eventual win for the Tyranids. All right. Yeah. So we're going to go through some of the teams here. Uh, they're all pretty tried and true, but for any newcomers out there, maybe even some veterans that might have a couple insights from, from us, uh, we'll, we'll go through some of the book and what we think is good and what we think is bad. All right. Well, let's go ahead and start off with guard then. Now, Dakota, you've been playing guard for past tournament season, right? Yeah. In 2022, it's pretty much what I played. I didn't know. I didn't even know veteran guards were good. So I, I bought a bunch of miniatures from Hardcore Miniatures, which are just a bunch of action heroes. And I 3D printed a couple others, you know, like Mel Gibson and Steven Seagal. <laughs> and uh, I basically painted them like the Tanith. Well, they're halfway painted, really. And I took them to LVO and I ended up doing really well with them. But, you know, I mean, it was pretty good. I wasn't really trying to, to win LVO. But Essentially, moving on to VetGuard and what they can and can't do and what I found was good and what I found that I needed at LVO and that I was missing. Because I, I just brought a very set number of models because I wanted to play heroes and I didn't really care about anything else. And I still put, I still did really well, even with a list that wasn't fantastic. That wasn't optimized? Yeah, it was not optimized. So what I took almost every time at LVO for let's go into tack ops they have three they have boots on the ground they have stand fast and they have death and glory by the way if you have the book feel free to follow along yeah we're on page 41 essentially uh glory and death i took all ev- almost every single game and i never got it i got it once so you would you would knock this one as don't take glory and death. Yeah, the only time that i scored this was against custodes i played um pablo from uh, the Spaniards team, MRQ3, we played and I scored death and glory against him. And that took me over the top to win it. So it was kind of, it was kind of cool that it worked once. And because it worked once, I won that game. You know, I was thinking the same thing when I first looked at glory and death, I was thinking this is all right, but not in a mirror where there's a lot of numbers. So you have a lot of equal numbers going on. Yeah. So I didn't think it was worth it. Yeah. Personally, I, I went I went eleven and two at LVO, and out of those thirteen games that I played, I scored glory and death once. Right. So so unless you're playing custodes or any kind of elites that are definitely <laughs> going to kill more than one of your dudes a turn. Yeah, elites were not a thing at at LVO this past year. But if you are, then you could possibly take it. Otherwise, avoid it. Well, we'll see what happens with Death Guard since they're doing pretty good. Anyways, let's go ahead and move to the next one. Uh, what was your favorite tech op? I'd go with boots on the ground. You just have more models for the most part. Yeah, I found boots on the ground pretty difficult to to score because it takes it takes a lot of board control. This is actually also good against an elite team because they don't have as many models, and you can right. try to sneak one by, especially if they overload one side. But um, I think that uh, stand fast was probably my favorite. That's the best one you think. I think so, because if you control two or more objectives and uh, friendly operatives control more objective markers than the enemy operatives, then you score one VP. I guess that's true, especially with what they have two, two action points per guy. Yeah, some, sometimes you get two, two activations with their, their normal dudes. Right, just for controlling the objectives, though. You can have a few bodies on there, and that's going to beat out an elites. Yeah, and if you need to score that, you can also just sacrifice a, a couple dudes and just run them onto an objective. Right, you know get them I mean? there, score like, the point, have them die. You have turn. to think like a Death Creek member. Like, you can just, <laughs> just throw them into, just throw throw them them into the fray. Let them die. So it was a perfect, perfect set. Yeah, exactly. We'll move on to uh, their, their ancillary support section. Now, this one I found was pretty interesting because it's, it was the first time I had seen where you could take more than what you normally could take as far as like units went, model count. Yeah. If you're going to be playing these guys competitively at all, I think the ancillary support for the trooper veterans, the gaining just four additional models, 
with each one with GA2 is just too good not to bring. Right, group activation is pretty nice for them. Yeah, I mean, especially you could give two guys crack grenades, move them both up and throw two crack grenades at somebody. Or throw one if you kill them, then throw them at somebody else and kill another one. I mean, it's just, it can be prud- it can be really brutal. Uh, I think that while all the other ancillary support are cool. or Yeah. They, yeah, I, I honestly, I can't really see an argument for why you would ever take, like, marked airstrike or artillery barrage. When I was reading those, it's a cool ability, but I think it would just have more bodies. Yeah, so I've seen it done well before. Because some people forget about marked airstrike or some people forget about guided missile or, you know, artillery barrage or strafing run or whatever they are. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but the problem is, is that if a, if an enemy remembers them at the beginning of the game and like you don't do your strafing run to, bl- to hit a couple models and wound a bunch of them, then it's just not worth taking. You know, because in a tournament, you, you're going to have to assume that your opponent is competent. Plus, my strafing run isn't going to capture me objectives. Yeah. 100%. Those four extra guardsmen will. Yeah, they yeah. will. 100%. If you're playing like loot and salvage or something where you want the bodies to do, you know, get get the scores. Domination. O- overwhelming them with numbers seems to be that the strategy that veteran guard wants to do. Absolutely. The more people that die, the better, basically, for them. Exactly. Abilities, um, I find myself using move, move, move all the time. Yeah. Almost every time. It's interesting that other guard players that I've played against always tell me that take aim is really, really good. While I think it's really good, I just don't find myself, I don't use it as much, as much as they, other people use it. Other people use take aim almost every single round. Take aim is you get a reroll once when you shoot. That's great for flamers, you know, it's great for other things but a lot of times some sometimes i'm not even really shooting on a turn i'm, I'm gonna use like two or three guys to shoot and i'm just gonna get board control right i've played against you before and most of the time it's you just getting to objectives yeah i don't care if i if i if my people do if my people die as long as i get the objectives i play for points you know right I'm not that's playing. how you that's how you win the game with guard you have yeah. to play for points like i have like four dudes out of my 14 guys that i that i try to kill people with the other 10 guys i'm just trying to get points really. right they're just bodies for that reason yeah literally that's it so i would understand why move 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 is good adding the for extra me. inch well in general this game i've always thought was very much a grab objectives game and so the best way to grab objectives is to be fast fixed bayonets i've used on occasion it's pretty good when I, you have to just charge them all into combat yeah i rarely use hold position well, yeah fixed bayonets actually seems like something you may want to use yeah fixed bayonets it's pretty good when we move on to strategic ploys a lot of people that take take aim take overcharge las guns i rarely ever overcharge las guns i rarely ever overcharge my plasma because i i'm typically risk adverse with my own guys right especially for a team that doesn't have a way to mitigate that risk i don't ever want one of my enemies to benefit from something you're rolling one exactly right so Unless if I'm using like death denied or something like that for my plasma, I typically will not overcharge. So right. overcharge las guns is something that I rarely take, rarely use. I'll use it on very few occasions. It's good against like custodes. You just need to kill a dude, have everyone shoot at him with overcharge. You might lose a guy or two, a couple guys take a wounds here and there. That's what I was thinking was against a lot of elite armies are around the last turn. You yeah. may as well, there's no other turns, no reason to keep them alive now. Absolutely. Just stop your opponent from doing things. Yeah, and it just does AP1, which AP1 is better against uh, models who have two plus three plus saves. You know, four right. plus and up, I probably wouldn't use it. Right, because then you're rolling less defense dice, more likely going to take a wound or two. Exactly. Like custodes, I, could, I, I would see myself using it a lot against. Right. Take cover. Say the cover improves by one for a shooting attack. It's all right. I mean, is it worth a CP? If you want to keep maybe those specific models you mentioned alive. Yeah, possibly. So, like, if you want to keep your you sniper... You go from a five to a four. I mean, the sniper would be great because the sniper already already gets to retain a dice, right? Or gets plus one or something. But I think that uh, the take cover... Take cover is okay and it's very situational uh, instances. Uh-huh. Into the Breach, I use every single game. Every single game. Yeah, they just perform the free dash you, every, you, every time. Every time I move them forward. All three of them. All three of them right forward. So <clears throat> uh, that's what I do with them. Clear the line. I've used also on occasion. Uh, in a couple narrative games, it was uh, uh, like me versus Gene Stealers. And I would just 
didn't shoot them at all and I just ran at them with hand axes, which were actually <laughs> pretty powerful. Gene Steelers ended up winning it, but uh, I killed all the models. So, cool. So yeah, it was, you know, ran, my Rambo was the victory. last dude Moral alive. Victory. Yeah. Chuck Norris 1v1 a Gene Stealer. It was awesome. He died the next <laughs> turn, but it was lit. What can kill Chuck Norris? Gene Stealers. Gene Stealers. <laughs> So we go to uh, tactical ploys. Now you already mentioned in Death Atonement, which is a great ability. It is their best tactical ploy. Because if they you haven't used them yet and they would die, instead you go, nah, I'm going to get to use them one more time, then they'll die. In Death Atonement, if you don't play them correctly, you're just going to waste your guys. So for instance, bring out your plasma last, fire at a guy, realize that first turn next game, the next round, they're probably going to shoot at your plasma and your plasma is going to die. Let's say that happens, you use death and atonement, your plasma gets one more shot. Whoever shot at you, you can typically shoot back, right? Typically. Or right. you can shoot at somebody else. It's it's situational in certain areas, but if you use it on a model that's already been activated, then... That was a total waste, because yeah. as soon as the activ- they don't get activated next turn. Exactly. Another useful one is for models that can fight twice in combat. So, for instance, Hunter Cadre have robots that can fight twice. So, sometimes, like, Hunter Cadre will charge your models. Stay in close combat uh-huh. without leaving your mo- without leaving. Pop their CP so they can fight twice. So they'll kill a model, possibly two models in close combat. Uh-huh. Then they'll move to a different model and charge a different model, and then kill that model because they have the because the, they get two APL. You get to fight for twice free. So if you use in Death Atonement on one of your models, he can't die, so they can't move. <laughs> right, they're stuck in they're combat. stuck in combat. Now you cannot strike back. In from in Death Atonement, but you've done your job and your model has, has no longer stayed there. And that's useful against a couple armies, but that's one specific time that I can had, see that being really good against custodes that just want to like move, like kill you and then run away afterwards. Yeah, yeah and you just force them to be stuck. Yeah, and then they would they would have to fall back, which would cost two AP. Right. Or if they want to shoot somebody else or something well, like that. Well, they probably charged and fought you already, and they only have three APL, so yeah. now they're stuck. It, there's some tricky moves where you can just charge someone and not fight, and then yeah. next turn go. So. There are there are little tricksy strategies. Combined arms is pretty good against some models, against some teams, more elite teams than anything else. Uh, inspirational leadership I don't use a lot, but I could see it being good for game for for turns that you really need move 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 and your your take aim. Uh, I think that it can be pretty good for one CP, but I'm usually saving my CP for either rerolls or death atonement or into the breach or something like that. That's typically what I'm going to be saving my CP for. Well, with, with inspirational leadership, you can activate two of them because you activate the original one from your turn, right? And then you do this one. Am I reading that right? So like if I held the center and I suddenly wanted to pop this and now I can do like something like hold position or something and I really wanted to just sit there. Yeah. So you could do that with your leader, but it would only work within six inches. So it's essentially, it's a small bubble. (laughs) Yeah. Your, your leader would then get to, uh, use a second command. Typically, you can only do one command, and it affects everyone within six inches, unless if you have a commsman. But um, with this, it would uh, it would do it again. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's see, pretty there, good. There's some benefit to that. So my MVPs that I take for vet guard would be the spotter would be my number one. Okay, he can shoot from conceal. Uh, he can be very useful after using Into the Breach on turn one, putting him behind heavy cover and letting him see an enemy model using his indirect blast and hitting multiple models. I recently won a game because he killed a Tau Medic turn one. Uh, it really sucked for the Tau player. Uh, I ha- uh, he And you can just do that. He just costs two AP. Like You don't have to use his spotting ability every time. He's also, he pairs really well with a bunch of models. He'll pair really well with your commsman. He pairs really good because you can give him an extra AP so he can move out and then do his two AP move or do his spot move. He pairs really well with the sniper and he pairs really well with the plasma gunner. If any of those, if any models are, are dead, to me, he's your number one guy. The next model that I would take in every game is the sniper while the sniper is not the most killing model on your field, he is the most consistent because he or she is hitting on twos, mortal wounds on threes for crits, shoots from silent. He's a really, that's a really safe model that should be around the majority of every game. 
Um, I have used that model also very aggressively. When somebody hides a lot, you can put them into engage order and still move around and kill people, mm-hmm. getting close. So that's pretty good. Right, because this sniper is not heavy. It's not. And then you can switch them back to conceal. You know, there's a lot of things that you can do. Uh, and then I've and then I have the medic. Those are the three that I typically keep together. The medic will save either the sniper or the spotter. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, if either one of them die, I might move the medic to go on to where my plasma is, so on and so forth. Those are the three that I think are the standout. I think the next one would definitely be the plasma. You would never leave home without the plasma. Would it just be the gunner with the plasma option? Yes. The next, I would say, would actually be... A lot of people say that it would probably be the grenade launcher or the commsman, uh-huh. but I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say it's the melta. No one ever wants to get close to a melta. You can use him for board control. You can use him for threatening moves. You can put him in the middle of the field and no one's going to want to get close unless if you're probably playing the bloodied because they want to get close no matter <laughs> what. Right. Right. Um, and they have a bunch of models so they can just sacrifice people, but I'd probably take the flamer in that aspect, but that's besides the point. But the flamer and the melta is always good against almost every single team. You want to threaten the Ogren, you want to threaten a space marine, you want to threaten a custodes. The only person you can't threaten is probably some kind of warp coven with a bunch of like high uh like invulnerable saves, like a right. th- like a four plus invul save, which then it's a little scary. Uh, my models that I typically never take cause I, cause everyone else is pretty good on the team. You know, you always, you, you want to take your comms man, your comms man's great. You want to take, you know, your, your sergeant obviously, cause you have to, the, right. co- the confidence good. I love the hardened veteran. Absolutely love them. I mean, I do take Demi Moore as my, my hardened veteran. She right, has a metal arm. arm. Yeah. She's hot from GI Jane. You know what I mean? She's, she's my jam, <laughs> you know? Um, super crush on her but um your wife's in the other room oh i know she she knows she knows i mean that was back in the 90s that's when i was a kid you know all right yeah we're all allowed to have a have have a celebrity we're allowed to have a celebrity crush anyways go on uh the models that i typically don't take is i typically do not take the bruiser i think on stream one time i people started flaming me because i didn't take a bruiser and the zealot versus the the um the pathfinders but i ended up you know stomping the match anyways at lvo i took every single gunner i didn't take the commsman every single gunner every time and every single time all of my ancillary guard and my hardened veteran took hot shot las guns that's all i did every single game didn't change it didn't want my brain to fry for for, for, for 13 games and i did really well all right i went i went 11 and 2 with that good. list. Yeah. <laughs> and I would have done better if I took a commsman, but I didn't build the model. I didn't bring him. <laughs> well, now you know in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So this team is so good that you can really bring a substandard list as long as you're, as long as you're moving correctly and you understand the team of where they're going to go. I viewed them as like Eldar last, last year, as last edition. They didn't have a lot of really killy stuff in close combat, but they were really... They had a lot of models and they can kill a lot of people. And that's kind of how I played them, right? Right. Uh, the only time I used a bruiser was against that gene stealer game. And he was able to hold off one single gene stealer for one extra turn, which was useful. Right. Because he can stop damage from one dice. Yes. Yeah. You can stop one damage from being hit once. I did not take the zealot, even though a lot of people swear by the zealot. I think the zealot is very good. I would just rather take a melta. Okay. So uh, lethal fives on a plasma. It's cool and all, but, you know, I think lethal fives on a sniper would be better. Well, what about their equipment now? What would you say? Because I've had a lot of people, I think the equipment is very varied for this team. I think everyone plays with something different. What would you say? Originally, before I played any games against them, the first thing I would take would be the capacitors, the hotshot capacitors. Uh-huh. And dragon crack grenades. Okay. That's about it. And then maybe the topographical chart. For the additional scouting ability, that seems pretty cool. But with your numbers, I don't really see it as too crazy of a need, I guess. Maybe if you wanted to drop both an extra barricade and you wanted to run forward with some guy, that that might be useful. 3EP is a lot to ask for with this team. Yeah. I I agree. A lot of people ask me why I don't take Rosary, which is once per battle, you can ignore a hit from something. 
a lot of people take it on your, you know, your plasma or whatever. But I don't, I just don't. I just, right. Just, I mean, a lot of times I, I, I throw away my plasma. So I, I literally see this team as very expendable. So just give me grenades to try to throw them and. Yeah, are, my team is literally the expendables. Yeah, if I see a model that I really want to kill, I'll pop up my I'll pop up my plasma and I'll kill and I'll try to kill it. And if I don't kill it, um, then the next turn I'll use death and atonement when that model dies because I usually will use her last. Mm-hmm. And then I'll be able to shoot again before she dies. And if I get three shots from the plasma in a in a game, then that means I'm playing very well. If I only get two game two shots, then I'm doing about average. Okay. Um. For me, I don't really use the rosary. I'll use the frag or crack or hot shot. Like I said, at LVO, I literally just ran hot shots every single game because I didn't want to think. That's all that that's literally when you're being doing a lot of tournaments, playing a lot of stuff at one time, you just want to take a really, really easy list. And that was the easiest list for me to concentrate on every time. I should have taken frag and crack grenades many times, but I didn't know. (laughs) But Moving on, I think hand axes are actually pretty good at now that I've used them in quite a few games. And they're what, one EP? Two EP? They're one EP each. You can literally give it to every single dude in your team. And in combat, it actually makes them scary. If they charge someone and they get a crit, they're doing five damage. We just... You and me played at the... Uh, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, when you when you charged me and you, some of your guys were doing some pretty good phobos. damage against Space Marines. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, they died, but I was just literally Like, the playing. fact that you still wounded them, like, that, you still cut his leg for a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's pretty strong. <laughs> really strong. I also think the trench shovel, shovel has good play in certain times, uh, certain areas. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did like this one. Yeah, give him to your sniper. Yeah, I was thinking, give it to your sniper. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah, especially if like, I mean, we all saw the, we all saw what the terrain looked at, looked like at the Seattle Open. Not every, not every tournament is going to be made the same. Not every game board is going to be made the same. So when you're playing in these different environments. And you can just choose to have cover. And you can just, yeah, exactly. Then you want to, then you'd want to use it. Like if I was playing at the Seattle Open, I would have taken that because then I could just have a dude just sitting there. The, The enemy has no cover. Right, I have no cover. Oh, right. now, now I have cover. Easy peasy. Um, <clears throat> so, I think that that's going to be more of a terrain placement thing. Like if if you have a little bit, like the old champs packet, you don't need it. Squad games, our champs, pa- I mean our packet. Uh, sometimes you can use it. Sometimes you don't want to. Like uh, the normal GW terrain, it depends on the type. Frontiers, this new set, <laughs> yeah. Take it. Yeah, there's like no terrain. <laughs> there's there's like there's got, three big parts and that's it. You got some walls and you got two giant pieces of heavy terrain and then a big open field. Right. You know? So if you're in the open field with your trench, you know, your trench shovel, like just sit there, you have cover, you're fine. That set definitely needs some stuff, but we weren't we're not gonna talk about terrain right now. We're talking about these guys. All right. So um I don't really use chronometer very often. Uh it could be cool, but I don't think I'd want to spend the three EP for that. Because then that's three AP. I'm not buying something else. I would else. rather buy a crack grenade. Yeah, Let's just be honest. Because I want more damage. How, to, yeah. How good are crack grenades? Put two on They're your two excellent. GA. Put two on your two GA. Run them up the field. Throw them both at a space marine. Throw them both at a legionary. Throw one at a legionary and throw another one at a legionary. Like there, it's the crack's gonna blow them up. Yeah, I mean, they, hopefully they get nerfed because otherwise, I don't see why. In most teams, you just wouldn't just take crag, frag and crack grenades. I think it's a good substitute. I don't think it's too bust, busted. I mean, that, that makes sense for what it does. Designed to take out big things. Yeah, but imagine if, like, turn one, they, like, they move, turn one, maybe turn two, two dudes run up to your Phobos team, just kill two of your dudes right off the bat. That would suck. <laughs> that's why they're three peach. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So you can only take, you can only take three max. Yeah. And then you can take one hand axe. Let's one go. Hand axe. There you go. <laughs> so yeah. So overall, I like that they have a big model count. I think that's definitely the reason they do so well is the numbers, and they shoot pretty efficiently. So absolutely, that's that's a big one. You know, they're they're easy to kill though. So watch out about that. They you are know. super easy to die. They're glass cannons for sure. You blink at them and they fall down. So yeah, yeah. they have seven wounds each, which is by far substandard. Like I mean, I guess it would be technically the standard but it's not great i mean zangers zangors have eight wounds and an unvulsive like right that makes them just a little tanky. hardier absolutely but i mean you get 14 of them so does it matter yeah that's true 
you can throw away literally four a turn and you'd still have one left at it at no three a turn and it depends on the army if they're very aggressive at shooting your guys and you're throwing away four of your own then you know they're really you're really gonna run out soon absolutely (laughs) let's move on to orcs now yeah orcs commandos uh now personally this was the reason i wanted to get into this edition of kill team i love the way the commandos look hell yeah and i always like orcs in smaller games because then i can actually collect the orcs i wouldn't do that in a regular 40k game that's just too many too many models for me so personally. For, so for me i love the commandos the way gw did them i also really like some of our Ar- tell w's um commandos and when i build my team i'm also going to add a little bit of uh his models in there uh-huh. it's gonna, they're going to be spicy let's start with their tech ops yeah uh i see uh, a lot of people use blow it up blow it up yeah it's pretty easy all the time you select the terrain feature that has the heavy trait and then well you send some guys and they blow it up yeah and it's usually typically pretty easy in a lot a lot of packets to do that it might be harder in some terrain features some terrain packets but uh in in this i think it's pretty easy I also find a lot of people uh, do get stuck in. Because once, once you're in your opponent's drop zone, you know, you start scoring points. Absolutely, and it's great against certain armies. Especially with the little Grot, right, who can swing around all over the place. Yeah, that that's model's... Like the, that's the trick right there with it. MVP model. I've seen... Well, I think when I first was playing this edition, back at SoCal Open and Craft Worlds, my uh, Emmanuel from Strategic Advantage would just use his little... His little dude and get score like three or four VP with him right away by just shooting to the back of my lines and then jumping off the table. <laughs> it was a, I was like, how do you stop that? He's like, oh, just with more models. I'm like, all right. That's pretty much it. Yeah. And then uh, shock tactics. It's all right. You know, if you kill an enemy before the first, uh, what is it? The first turn, then you get the victory point. Yeah. I think and the, I think then if you control more objectives, it's fine too. Yeah. I think that their other tactics are better. Like from just the standard book, then shock tactics. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's one I probably wouldn't do. I would do blow it up and get stuck in for sure. Then you have strategic ploys. Yeah, strategic ploys are on page fifty nine. Personally, I like the way this one's called. Shh. Yeah. Shh. For one CP, you know, for ops that don't have conceal orders that are pretty close to enemy model, I think what's about six inches. More than six inches. More yeah. than six inches away from them can perform a free dash. Uh, but you have to remember that they also cannot be in line of sight. So if you set up your models correctly, it's great if you're an attacker because you can you can literally just set up your models. That way so you benefit and get the free dash that first turn. Exactly. And for enemies who are going to be playing against commandos, try and get a model that gets a bunch of vision on one of them, even if you just throw them away because then they wouldn't be able to use sh- to its full effectiveness at the beginning of the game. Plus, this also combos with their ability to charge from conceal. Yeah. So you can just kind of get into position and go like, all right, next turn, I'm going to do it. Exactly. Which is pretty good. And Daka 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 is a really good one as well. Uh, That one is, I have had used against me so many times. How many times I've heard Daka 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 come out of Orc's mouth? I (laughs) I love it. Because what, you transform a failed one into a successful if you get a crit, right? Yeah, if you get a crit, you can take one of your failed hits, which what Orcs only hit on... They they hit on four. Right. right, they're they're missing a few of their shots every now and then. Half half chance. Yeah, so you know you're you're gonna miss some shots, especially with certain ones. I think that Daka 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 is really good with like the flamer. Daka Daka really good with the uh, their sniper who also gets six shots. Boy. Yeah, that too. The Daka boy as well. Yeah. That model. We're gonna talk about that model. Then you have Wah, which is you know their iconic Wah. Yeah, pretty much if they're going to get in close combat and they use wah, I mean, like, your models are already dead anyways. I mean, unless if you're a Custodes guy. Right. Because you transform two hits and turn it into a crit. Yeah. Which is pretty strong on its own. It's super, super strong. And Skulk About. As long as they have a conceal order. Like, so this doesn't even matter whether they're in cover or not. They just can retain. An extra. A, an, an extra one. So it's it it really bonuses with cover, but even if they're outside of it, they get it anyways. Yeah. It's this one. Um, I don't, when I was at LVO, they're playing it with two CP. So I don't know if there's a fact that made it two CP in the book right here. It says it's one CP. So I definitely have to check that out. Yep. Cause I thought it was two CP 
being it's that strong. You know, it what is I mean? very strong because you you can just have them in the conceal order, which is sort of what they want to do since they're going to combat. They're they're just going to charge out of combat, especially anyways. turns one. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And most of them are already in conceal because they can charge from conceal. Right. So your your incentive is put them in conceal. It's kind of like Phobos. You want to put them in conceal. Yeah, and then they retain two. It's ridiculous. For most armies hitting on fours, you're already only going to be hitting them with half of your dice, and they automatically block half of them. It's pretty busted. It's pretty busted. You know. Then move on to tactical ploys. We have just a scratch. This one's fine. You can ignore an attack dice. It's actually super strong. Is it really? I mean, it makes sense because you stop some damage, and if you want to make sure the guy doesn't die. Typically, that's when it's used. Every time that I've done it, I think I'm going to kill a guy. With it's like, like a the plasma last shot, thing. Then they get rid of a critical Last or something. thing of a plasma, last thing of a melta. You're like, I really need this slasher boy to die. And then they're not dead. And then it upsets you because the green power of Wog. Is, and then they just hit you. <laughs> and then you freaking die. And it is it is frustrating and yet orky. I love it. There you hear it first. Just a scratch. Top tier. Top tier. I think it's probably one of their better ones. This one's all right. Crump them. As long as you're already in combat, you can make a free action. So would that mean you'd have to be still in combat the next turn? Yeah, you select one friendly operative and they can f- perform a fight. A free fight action, which is good since you only have uh, two APL per guy, if I remember right. I believe so. Yeah, it's pretty good, especially when you only have two APL. Like if you're already stuck in, right, then you could then you could use uh, Crumpum, fight, move, and fight again. <clears throat> right. This army feels like you're using you're getting a lot of free actions by paying the CP. Yeah. From what I'm already kind of seeing, which I'm I'm fine with. They they use CP pretty heavily for sure. Like so, you're either using Skulk about. Sh- sh- Daka Daka, just a scratch. Just a scratch is huge. A lot of players will just keep one CP in for just a scratch. They're a lot easier to kill when you have when you when they have no CP. So then we have the operatives. All right, now the cool thing with orcs is you pretty much can take all the specialists in your team, and that's fine. I've never really thought about a time where I wouldn't want to take none of the specialists. Other than the bomb squig, I don't think the bomb. Squig yeah, is I great. think the bomb squig is the only one, and I don't, I don't really count. It's not quite an orc; it's a squig. That's true. But then I'll take everything else plus the grot. Yeah, the grot is actually he's top really tier, top, top tier. tier for sure, for sure. Plus, in that little gear he's in, that thing is funny. Oh yeah, I love that guy. He's a ninja. Yeah, so so in this one, it it does feel like you should take as many specialists as you can, and you really don't discriminate against specialists. You nope. you take one of each if you can. Absolutely. Uh, I think, though, my favorite is probably the Breacher, just going through certain pieces of terrain and just charging you through that. Yeah, I definitely think that the Breacher is really good. I've seen him used really well, especially paired with Dynamite. You can really threaten the enemy opponents really, really strongly right at the beginning of the game. Right. Yeah, and as long as he makes his wounds back, then you you, you typically make you you typically come you get out ahead with it. Yeah. So now, how does that work? So you go ahead and you use the breacher with dynamite. What's the plan for that? So a lot of times with um, dynamite, you can use your comms boy to give the breacher boy an extra AP, so that he can move and dash and then throw the dynamite. So he has three APL to do so. But it takes a little, it's a little bit of a forewarning shadow, so you have to be careful if you see that happening. Um, I got that pro tip from a manual. Uh, it's been used against me a couple times. But I would say that the breach is essentially, you can move, whenever you do a normal move or dash through a piece of terrain that's less than one inch, you can just ignore it. So you can stick him behind something that's pretty safe and then give him, a, give him an extra AP, and then he can move nine inches, essentially, and then throw the dynamite. And as long as you can hit a couple of models with your dynamite, dynamite is freaking busted, dude. Like, yeah, it's like it's um, crack on crack. Yeah, it's literally crack on crack. It has four attacks, you hit on threes, and it does five, six damage. It's blast two inches, AP one. It's indirect and unwieldy, right? Oh, sorry, it's unwieldy. So that means it costs two to throw. Right, so, so that's why throw, that's why you have to give will... you have to give him the extra AP so that he can throw and then use two AP to throw it. You're typically throwing that model away unless if you even set it up even more in advance by throwing a smoke grenade in a certain spot before you go out and do that, and then you're really spending a lot of time to get him and EP in order to make this breacher boy live. 
I think that once he does his job, it's fine for him to die, but he's typically a pretty, pretty aggressive, scary person. Right, to deal so he with should be front. going through the walls and then throwing a piece of dynamite and then bullying your opponents off of objectives and stuff like that. Yeah, he can be, he can be, if, if used correctly, the Breacher Boy is really good. All right. I yeah. personally think that the Daka Boy is my hated enemy of all enemies. Why so? Because he's murdered my entire craft world team when I first started. Now, that's what, that's number one, like literally. So he gets a so he can move, and then shoot, and then dash. Right? It is obnoxious. So on all the containers that we typically play with, you can take him with a climbing rope. So you ignore the first two inches of terrain. So it's one to move up. You shoot over the bastion or whatever or the container uh-huh. so you can shoot and then he can drop down so he is safe or you can move out from the side of a container or another piece of heavy terrain shoot and then dash, shoot and then dash <laughs> behind right i've seen him used poorly at lvo uh-huh. where you can move shoot and then dash to get in close even closer or you can move and dash and then shoot to get around the corner and shoot somebody but i think that model's too good not to, to throw away like you would have. Right, he seems like a gorilla fighter where he should go and take the opportunity and get out behind yeah, cover. Yeah, he's like solid snake, yeah, for do sure. It, do it every time, if yeah, you can. every single turn, you might as well. I mean, I don't think there's a... He's like a... He would be like... He's just as sna- safe as the sniper from the vet guard. Right. He's ju- he can be played just as safe, and he is just as deadly, right? Like, he has two AP, his one Dakadash is perform a shoot action and then a free dash, dash action with this operative in any order, right? So the Daka shooter gets five attacks, <laughs> hitting on fours, doing three, four damage. More than enough to kill Vet Guard, more than enough to kill most, most models with, yeah. with eight wounds, or at least injure somebody, right? Right. And then he can just dash back. He gets unload slugs, which is, I see, I can see why people want to get close with him and do his stuff, because he gets to re-roll any or all of his attack dice that he wants if he's within six inches of shooting someone. Right. But, I mean, do that at the end of the game. You don't have to do that right away. Right. More of build up to get to the point where then you're going to unload slugs. Yeah. Because if you try to do it right away, you might just die on the way there because they're not hardy. I would say these would be my top four models for them. Would be that model. I think the Sniper Boy is also... Sniper Boy is also very good. Yeah. He can shoot from conceal... As long as he's using two AP. Mm-hmm. He can also shoot into like a crowd or whatever, as long as he also has two AP and shoot multiple people. He has six attacks, hitting on threes, and it does two, two damage, right? And then if you do Daka Daka, you know, you're hitting even more. Right. And whenever he does a crit, it does two mortal wounds. Pretty good. With six attacks, you're bound to get one. You know, mathematically, right. you are bound to get, get one. Get one. You have a yeah. one in six chance. Yeah. And yeah, so, I mean, it's, He's really good. I also think that he's probably tied with the Rocket Boy, who gets five attacks, four, hitting on fours, does four or five damage, AP one, and does splash one on crits. So he's also pretty dang decent. What do you think about the comms? I know we already said that it's pretty good because he can give AP, but he also can reduce picking up objectives to zero. It's amazing. Uh, Cool. That's what I thought. (laughs) Like I was thinking that like even even if I never use his AP ability, he could just be an objective grabber for nothing. He loot, picks it up, does it, dashes away. Loot and salvage is amazing for like, these for, guys. For him, like you could just move onto an objective, get it, and dash somewhere safe. You know what I mean? Like that could be his turn. I also think that like all of these models are good. Like their entire team is good. That's and it's so good that you can bring all of them. Their commando, their boss knob dude, is uh-huh. also really good. I haven't seen him used super effectively most games. Like, yeah, he's really scary and does a lot of damage with his big choppa or power claw, right? Uh-huh. But every time I've played him, yeah, I've I haven't seen him do a lot. I've shot him off the table a couple times. Um I think the model's good, but I haven't seen it used effectively against me. There was another time that I played against I I played against him and I had my hardened veteran lived with the just by one wound. I saved cool. like I think I saved like I rolled like seven fives or something like that. It was ridiculous. Um saved on one wound. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I kept him in combat and then it was like 
I could, had a, tri- a chance to strike back. And I was like, no, I'm just going to pass turn. Right, no reason. <laughs> so, so you're locked in combat with me again. So if he doesn't kill, that would have been a great time to do, you know, the wog or get stuck in. But you have to do that at the beginning of the turn, right? Right. I think that he's really, really good. And he's probably amazing against Space Marines. Amazing against, you know, custodes and stuff like that. Especially with the claw, because he does 5-7 with the claw. And it's um, brutal. Yeah. Which means you have to save only with crits on those hits. Yeah. And he can also add plus one to AP. That's why he's so good. That's also pretty good. So Can he choose himself or does he have to choose somebody else? It says one friendly commando within six inches. You can add one one AP to them. So you have the comms guy and you have the commando knob who can both add plus one AP. So we could do models. the we could do the move dash and then throw and wieldy because now he has four APL. One hundred percent. And you know how I feel about four no, APL. Four APL is pretty strong. I don't know if it stacks. You don't know? Okay. I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to read. The, the core manual. I but think. pretending it could, that seems pretty impressive. I like the pretending though. Yeah. For sure. Definitely. I think I like, I like the, the or our the, speculation. The, the, yeah. Going on to the command, commando grot, he's pretty, pretty good too. Yeah. This is a, this is a pretty interesting model altogether. Dude, I couldn't kill him in close combat one time. It was very upsetting. Really? Yeah. Because of just a scratch. Lol. Yeah. Well, he always has, he always has concealed, you know, regardless like uh, even if there's someone has like a vantage point, he he just keeps conceal. Yep, which is incredible. You like almost can't shoot him. Yeah, he's uh, he's pretty good at not getting shot unless if you're really within two inches of him. Uh, the grappling hook can really get him around the board. He's not gonna. I don't think he's ever gonna kill someone. I've had a guy try to assassinate my sniper with him because he does four damage on a crit. Right, did not work. No, but I, I, I wouldn't. Liked I wouldn't. I wouldn't try to use him as a combat guy at all. This He's is, getting my objectives in the back. This is probably the team that I have fought the most, which is fitting because of all the times I've played Vetguard. Well, at the time, they were also the two bestoke, the only two bestoke teams, right? Yeah, I think by bespoke, bestoke, bespoke, bespoke. By SEO, I think Hunter Cadre was out, but I don't think anything else was out. Okay. Maybe I think Warp Coven came out the month after in November. So for strategies, move up the field with your commando and your breacher boy to to threaten the enemy, and then you have your two guys in the back, probably with your your um. So that'd be like what your sniper and your rocket. Your in the back? snap sniper and rocket Snacky. in the back. You have your you have your slasher moving up forward, you yep. know, to try and get in close combat while he's in conceal, uh, and then you have your. Your burner boy, you don't have to bring your burner boy. I, I I like the burner boy because flamers and melts make people think, even if they're not great. Right, it's just a threat. Like, do I want to get near that? Exactly. And I still think that he's, they're pretty, I mean, compared to the just normal boy, right? You have your Daka boy who can go forward, but is also just in the back, depending if you can get a good vantage. Right, um, we, we, I'd probably have him slowly get up over yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Then you have um, you have your commando grot possibly trying to blow stuff up for for command points for points in general right right for his thing uh, for the the blow it up stratagem you know to get more points right he's not going to be fighting so may as well have him do all the objectives he, he's just he's just a secondary you know monkey. he's a secondary machine he's a secondary grot like he just literally farms points no matter how you use him use him to to to, to farm secondary points no matter how you use him. Uh, moving on to your equipment, your equipments. I have one thing to say. If you don't take dynamite, you're trolling. That simple. You yeah. ha- it's that good. You must it's take that. It. You take four. You t- take it for four. Would you take climbing rope? Take climbing rope on Daka boy. Okay. You might want to take climbing rope on, on your sniper or somebody that you want to get up on a vantage point pretty quickly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe on, maybe on one or two other guys. I think climbing rope is beyond good. It's ridiculous. You know, I don't think I'd overtake the harpoon. Me neither. No. Sledgehammer seems cool, but again, it's just something I wouldn't take. It, most armies, except for the Blooded, I think are the only few that I would want a special weapon. And then the Blooded still don't have special weapons. So Very whatever. true. Yeah. They have like a knife, right? Or something? I don't. Uh, the wicked, they have a Wicked Blade, I think, right? That's the one. That's yeah, but I wanted them to have like an even crazier weapon, but yeah, that's okay. Like a tentacle. That would be cool. Or something. <laughs> uh, smoke grenades. They're, they're good. Smoke grenades make that little like They're utility. Bubble. They're utility. If you think that the mission might need it, Take that. Absolutely. 
maybe on seize ground is it called seize ground it could be good on you know yeah. you can throw it onto an objective and stand, stand on top of it if right. it's right in the open um stick bombs are good yeah it's like a better frag that's fine but really i just see myself taking dynamite, dynamite climbing rope. climbing ropes maybe a stick bomb maybe a smoke grenade that's about it i would take a, i would take actual like that's about equipment it. i wouldn't take different weapons yeah yeah yeah, I think yeah. that I think climbing rope is just too good to not take on a lot of your charging units, just because typically you're going to be moving up to the a, vantage points and up a bunch, just little things that might yeah. subtract two inches from your movement, according, and you don't want that. According to Octarius, which most people play on, which is three inch tall terrain, right? It just takes an inch to go up. If you're playing on like Chalmuth style terrain, it's about five inches, so you ignore the first two, so then it's still what, three, four, four because oh, you have four, to right? Because you have to end up one, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think it's also. Uh, yeah, you don't even have to be within an inch of it to start climbing it. You right, know what I mean? we imagine the guy's throwing the rope up there as he's running towards it. Absolutely. So pretty good. There's there's the handful of utilities that where everyone's going to use, and overall for the army, I think it's pretty well balanced. Yeah, it has one of the few that I feel like you could you really could take any of the lists except for the squig, and you're going to do fine. Yeah, I mean, you could even still probably take the squig and still do okay. <laughs> probably, <laughs> but I I want. I want my my weapons and my close combat efficient, and then you need the grot for objectives. And then you just take normal boys, you know. You could you could do you could do normal boys, yeah. But you know they they don't have really good armor, so yeah, guerrilla tactic positioning you, is important, like hitting and running. Conceal is your friend. Yeah, stay in conceal because they can charge out of conceal. Yeah, and watch out; they are surprisingly deadly in shooting. Those three models will make your life a living hell. I have been a part of it. Snipe a boy. Rocket Boy, Daka Boy. Oh, I'm sure pretty did. satisfied. I want to. I want to keep building my orcs. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward to finishing my orcs. What What color skin tone are you going to be painting your orcs? I'm thinking anywhere between green or albino, but I'll have to probably play with the color and see what I like. Yeah, because if I do albino, I'll have a lot of like rosy undertones. I'm probably going to stick more closer to an orc, like an actual green. The orc. That's what it's called. Orc. Uh huh. Color palette, which is kind of like the greenish yellow tan that gw sells yeah i'm probably gonna stick with those cool and yeah. you know i still haven't worked on that orc as much as i wanted to from last time we'll get there we'll we get will there. we will uh do you have you do you have any hobby progress on them no the the leader is the only thing i built the knob that was he's it. a cool model he's a cool model i liked it right away i, I spent time making that one yeah uh you can find us at uh luster's workshop on twitter instagram or you can go to my website how about you jack you can find me at Wargaming Studios, that's Wargaming underscore Studios on Instagram, and at Jock Plays Games on Twitter. I'm not as active there, but I like it anyways. Yeah, I mean, who is active on Twitter these days? Quite a few people. Not me. <laughs> All right, until next time, guys. Take it easy. Just a tad. Have you tried the pizza pocket? The pizza, pizza. I haven't washed uh, my hands yet. Seeds. Oh, right. So Do I'm, you want to wash your hands? I think I'll be all right until okay. Till then, <laughs> and then I'll try it then. Okay.